You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to the 25th episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all news and rumors related to Star Wars Episode 7, as well as Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars video games and Disneyland rides and all sorts of exciting upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Got some cool stuff to talk about this episode, even though we're still waiting for the big, big announcement for episode seven like casting stuff but we still got some pretty big or cool news to talk about for this one last few weeks this is our last episode so should be fun yeah yeah definitely and we've we've kind of had stuff pile up over the last couple of weeks um and actually i wanted to do another episode like maybe a week or two ago and then of course you know we get busy with work and the holidays and all that kind of stuff and so um i think at the beginning of this week i said let's shoot for this weekend and just hope that nothing big comes out by the end of the week that's gonna you know pile up on top of all our smaller stuff that we have to talk about so yeah like you said no no huge breaking announcements but um you know just lots of rumors and smaller bits of news and all that kind of stuff and um yeah i've kind of been filling the time since our last episode i've kind of been on a lego star wars binge with uh, oh yeah <laughs> Not not with the video games, but with uh, I actually started buying some more Star Wars Lego sets that I haven't nice. bought since I, I don't think I've bought my Star Wars Lego set since I was maybe like fifteen or so, like around the time that Revenge of the Sith was out and all those sets were out. But uh, I recently got a sixty dollar X wing set that I found on sale on on Amazon for like thirty eight dollars, um, and so that was like a must buy. And then. Um, then I, my dad recommended, he was like, Oh, why don't you look for more stuff on eBay and see if it's cheaper on there? And he kind of just made it as like a side comment. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. And so here I am a couple weeks later and I've got my X-Wing and, uh, the MIDI scale Millennium Falcon. That's kind of like the minute, the, not really a tiny miniature size one, but smaller than the big one that they came yeah. out with. So didn't have to pay an arm and a leg for that, but it's still a pretty decent size. And then I got the, uh, Anakin and Sebulba's pod racer set from just a couple of years ago. Um, and I had wanted to get that partially because it looked cool and I like pod racers and partially because the pod racer Lego set that came out back when episode one came out was like my holy grail back then. And I never got it. And so I was like, I'm going to repay my eight year old self and finally get that big Lego pod racer set. <laughs> so is that the first one you built? <laughs> no, no. I, well, I actually kind of got these staggered like two weeks ago i got the x-wing and i built that in one weekend and then last weekend i got the millennium falcon and bought that in one weekend and then the pod racer set just came a couple of days ago and i haven't started on that one yet but i'll probably start on that here pretty soon well yeah i've never been a big lego guy i mean as a kid all i had was one uh robin hood like douse lego playset and a few figures but other than that never really got into it like never got any star wars legos or anything else but a big fan of the Lego video games. I got all those Star Wars ones. So yeah. That's pretty much my only exposure to Legos is the video games. 
Yeah, I've played all the video games too, but yeah, as a kid, I was definitely into those, but never had a whole lot of them. I had, I mean, I had a few sets, maybe like a couple of sets from episodes one and two, and then uh, got a few more from episode three. I probably got maybe like five or six of those. Um, and, you know, I, I don't usually buy them because they are pretty expensive, and I'll usually only buy them if there's like a set that I really want, but... Um, like I said, just here recently, I kind of went through like a mini addiction where I was like, Ooh, I got this one. Now I'm going to get this one. I'm going to get this one and got them all for pretty decent prices. So that was the other thing. It's like when they're that expensive, I'll take any discount I can get on them. Sure. Yeah. But I will say it would be cool to have that giant Lego Death Star that's out there. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I guess my dream set, although right now I don't have the money to buy it or any place to put it. Cause it would be so freaking big. But there's a Lego Millennium Falcon that's like 5,000 pieces and it's built like completely to scale. Like you put the little yeah. Lego minifigures next to it and it looks like Han standing next to the real Millennium Falcon. It's that big. Yeah, that is cool too. But to me, like the ultimate is that Death Star. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. That one but to me, it just looks really cool, even in the Lego pieces too. It's like it just fits that. Uh, design of the Death Star and Legos perfectly, I think, and just the size of it, too. Like you said, you wouldn't know where to put it, but just to have it somewhere would be awesome to have. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day if you have, like, a bunch of money in a Star Wars man cave that you can put it in. Exactly, yeah, but if I would have all that, there'd be tons of other Star Wars stuff I'd want to get <laughs> besides Legos of, like, costumes and all that. Yeah, yeah, you can get like one $500 Lego set or $500 worth of video games and action figures and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How the problems of being rich. <laughs> <laughs> problems that we don't have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's our little uh, Lego tangent to start the show off. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, jump right into some of the news from the past couple of weeks. Um, the biggest being that we have a casting announcement of sorts. We have the first officially confirmed character to appear in episode seven, and it's not Luke or Leia or Han or anybody with a, uh, with an actor, uh, playing the character, but it is R2-D2 who, uh, you know, I guess that's not really a big surprise for a lot of people because you think, how can you have Star Wars with R2 D2, without R2-D2? But it's nice to know that he will be back. Um, and also, you know, with some of these rumors about, you know, oh, maybe because of these Rachel and Thomas characters that they're casting for, like maybe it's not really going to be about Luke and Han and Leia and what if it takes place like farther in the future and has to do with completely new characters and all that kind of stuff. And um, not that I'm really worried about that anyways, cause I'm still pretty sure we're going to see some of the original cast back, but, uh, this kind of ties it to it a little bit more because then you think, well, if we're going to see R2, you'd think that C-3PO would maybe come with that and that maybe, you know, he's still owned by Luke Skywalker and all this other kind of stuff. So it's just nice to know that, uh, for now, even though we don't really have any casting announcements, we do have something confirmed that's tying this to, the rest of the Star Wars trilogy or, you know, the rest of the whole Star Wars saga, because obviously R2 is one of the few characters who's appeared in every movie so far. And he's going to keep on doing that. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. When I first heard this news, I was just real happy about it. Like you said, it wasn't a big shock. Like, Oh my goodness, R2 is going to be in episode seven. I didn't see that coming at all, but no, it just, like you said, good to know that he's going to be in it. And that this is one of so far the first classic character that we got confirmed to be in the movie. And I'm sure he's the first of a few more to be announced as we get closer to its release. But 
I will say I was kind of surprised like when this first got announced. I saw a lot of comments on Twitter about people saying, how can anyone be excited about this? Or how is this really new? It's R2. We all know he's going to be in it. It was like, really? People are that like cynical and have a down, like negative attitude towards it when it's something that should just, you know, make you happy that R2 is going to be in episode seven again. Yeah, we knew it. But now that it's confirmed, it's just good to know. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised that it got kind of a negative reaction when there's really nothing negative to be had about this story. But. I don't know. Just some people are just looking forward to being negative on anything, I guess. But <laughs> um, one thing that I thought was really cool about this story was that um, part of it was in the announcement was that R two is going to be pretty much fan made almost because uh, they announced that uh, the people who are going to be like building him and operating him for Episode Sevens are part of the R two D two Builders Club. I believe it's uh, Lee Towersy and Oliver Steeples. Hope that's how you pronounce their names. But uh, they were pretty much. Uh, asked by Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, they were just got Celebration Europe this past year, and she was looking at all the different R2 like models and little different astromech droids that they had on display there. I think the story goes is that just in a passing comment, I mean, she was saying how great they looked, and they just said, like, jokingly, hey, if you ever need anyone for Episode 7, let us know. And then she ends up calling them and having them build the R2. It's going to be in the movie. I just think that's really cool. I mean, imagine if you're those two guys just being fans and building an R2 unit for fun, but now you're going to be actually building an R2 is going to be in a Star Wars movie. I mean, that's got to be one of the coolest feelings to have. So congrats to those guys because it's like, I'm sure they didn't expect it, but it's such an honor to be working on a Star Wars film. So I thought that was probably the coolest part of this announcement of R2, just that it's going to be an R2 that's made by Star Wars fans. And probably not, I'm sure certain shots is going to be CG, but they're probably going to go more for just a basic built uh, R2 unit like they did for the original trilogy. So I'm sure that'll make some fans happy too, but yeah, just overall a good story when it first got announced. I was happy about it all the way around. So glad that it's, we got our first officially announced character for the movie. <laughs> now we just wait for more. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's uh, definitely cool, too, that it's being built by fans and, uh, you know, these guys in the R2 Builders Club. I mean, like you, I thought that was probably the coolest part of the, part of the announcement because, um, you know, like we said, R2 being announced to be in the movie, that's not really huge news, although it is nice to know, but this is sort of something, it, it's a new twist on it, you know, it's like, yeah. so they're, they're honoring sort of the classic legacy of Star Wars, but also they're sort of maybe getting a little bit more involvement from the fans who've, you know, been with the, with the saga this far. And, uh, I mean, it makes sense too, with as dedicated as the R2 builders and the 501st and Rebel Legion and all these guys are. Um, you know, it's, it's like, this is quality stuff. It's not just like a couple of geeks who put together a trash can that looks like R2-D2 or something <laughs> and they let, let them put it in the movie just sort of as fan service. It's like, no, these guys obviously got hired because they actually know what they're doing. And, um, I even read an interview with them. I think it might've been on star on a blog on starwars.com where they were talking about sort of their experience with it and, um, how long they've been doing it and how already they're sort of um, trying to like upgrade their R2 models and um, sort of do new research and development and design ideas and think, you know, oh, how can we make it do this or move over this sort of terrain or, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, they're really getting creative and innovative with it. And, uh, you know, it's not just like this little fan project. It's like these are guys who know what they're doing and are actually going to build like a legit R2 robot that's going to look pretty cool in the movie. So, that's a pretty cool new spin on it. Yeah, wasn't it? I think at a past celebration, I think Lucas even made a comment to like one of these R two builders saying like, "No, this stuff actually looks better than some of the ones we've actually built." Yeah, <laughs> so like yeah. even 
Lucas himself has seen how good quality these uh, builders can do for the R2 units. Yeah, well, and you know, that's one of the tricks of movies is if you have an R2 unit that you've been driving around out in the sand, you know, shooting scenes for Tatooine and it's getting all dusty and rusty and, you know, won't work right. It's like all you have to do is make it look good in one shot. And, you know, as long as you get it from the right angle or as long as it does what it's supposed to do for like 10 seconds while the camera's rolling and then you cut and it falls over or it's a piece of crap or whatever, like nobody's going to know because we're going to see it on screen and it's going to, you know, we're going to think it works because they got all that they needed to out of it. But these guys build, you know, full functioning robots that you can roll around the convention center for, you know, hours and play with kids and all that kind of stuff. And so... Um, yeah, I think in some ways they probably have improved on, uh, you know, some of the stuff that Lucas was doing on set originally. So, um, yeah, it's cool to see the fans just sort of taking those ideas and expanding upon them and taking it and running with it. And then sort of coming back around full circle and getting to use that in the new movies. Yeah. And I wonder if this is like the start of something. Maybe we'll see, like, if there are any different, like, 501st uh, Trooper costumes that maybe might be used as a design influence or something <laughs> like this is the first step to getting more fan uh, creative stuff into the movies i mean we'll see but i just like i said just cool all around and cool too that kathleen kennedy actually did this or it was kind of her idea to get these guys to come in and work on the movie and how it's like she just didn't go to celebration just to show her face and but you could tell she kind of really cares about the fans and the ones that are really creative have show talent she's not afraid to use them so it's good to know that the person who's in charge of Star Wars now is like has that uh, rapport with fans who, if she wants to use them, she's not afraid to if they're talented and show that they can do good stuff. So, like yeah, like I said earlier, all around this is just a cool story. <laughs> what has got announced? Yeah, for sure. And you know, we don't know what time period Episode Seven is going to be set in, or who the villains are going to be, or anything. But if they need stormtroopers, then. It's like, why spend a bunch of money hiring extras and building Stormtrooper costumes when you've got people in the 501st that build, you know, really good quality costumes? And obviously, you know, they sort of range from, like, good to really, really, really good because, you know, not everybody builds theirs the same way and they do different parts and stuff on them. But obviously, you know, especially if you just need, like, an army of generic Stormtroopers, like, you could take the, the 50 best... 501st costumes from around the country and have something that is more than usable and accurate in a movie. I mean, those guys are really good too. So, um, you know, that could be something that they turn to as well. Yeah, exactly. Especially if we're hearing too, how they want to go more the traditional way, not do everything CG, but practical effects. I mean, if they want to move away from like CG troopers or whatever, yeah, that's a great idea is getting some of the 501st just to be a part of it. Cause like you said, some of this stuff looks awesome i mean as good as the movie maybe better like you said it depends on who builds it but yeah there's definitely great stuff out there so they can save some uh, money that way if they want <laughs> yeah yeah and you know speaking of practical effects we've also got an article and uh, this is on the yahoo movies uk site and they're talking about these rumors that uh, the Millennium Falcon may already be built for Episode Seven, and I think we we heard a rumor about this a while ago, and we talked about that maybe it was already being, maybe it was in the process of being built, or maybe they had already built the interior of it or something. But this is saying that in addition to building all the interiors and stuff, they've also built like a full scale model of the outside of the ship. Um, which, if that's true, like I just want to go and see that. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I go and 
visit the Millennium Falcon and just like take a picture of myself in front of it. Um, but that's something that's really cool too, because you would think that even if they were building, you know, interior rooms and stuff for it, that maybe they would just use CGI for, you know, a, a CGI model for the outside of the ship for, you know, whatever shots they needed for that. But the fact that, I mean, if this rumor turns out to be true, because obviously, you know, as is the case with pretty much everything on here, it's not, you know, official or confirmed until we hear something from Lucasfilm or JJ rooms or something like that. But and if this does turn out to be true, just the fact that they went through all the the pain and effort of building a full scale uh, Millennium Falcon model, you know, from the outside when you could just easily like stick a CGI model in the background of a scene somewhere, it's like that, you know, shows some real dedication to uh, you know what they said about wanting to use more practical effects and real sets and all that sort of thing and is is something that's really cool i think because i'm sure for the actors and everybody on set that's just gonna add sort of just a little bit of a um i guess an intangible quality to it just being there with the actual ship you know even if it's just a scene where they're walking towards it or something i mean i can't even really think of how that's going to make a huge deal but at the same time i'm still glad that they're doing it because just you know the fact that they're showing that level of commitment and uh, attention to detail and everything is just really cool I'm just hoping too that whenever the Falcon is done for this new set of movies, if I don't know if it's going to get destroyed or not in episode seven, maybe if it's going to last the whole new trilogy, I just hope like this uh, Falcon that they built doesn't get torn down once they're done with it. Because this seems like a lot of work to make a full size scale millennium Falcon to have it like torn down after they're done with it would be such a waste. So I don't know where they would put it, but <laughs> it'd be nice to see it somewhere. Maybe there's that rumor that, um, the plans for I'm going to talk about this later too, or for Disneyland, like to have the Falcon out there, like to make your entrance into Tomorrowland. Maybe if it's something like that, they oh use that actual. Gosh, that would be so cool. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine the, a line just to get a into that life-size Millennium Falcon at yeah. Disneyland? I would just like move as close to Disneyland as possible and just <laughs> spend all my time there. Or actually, no, what I would do is I would just quit my job, move out to California, and like throw money at them to let me work that thing yeah. <laughs> you know i'm like can i just you know wear a disneyland shirt and stand in front of the millennium falcon all day <laughs> I mean, if it was the actual one that was used in episode seven like how cool would that be that'd be awesome and if you want try to stay in there sneak into the smuggling compartments <laughs> <laughs> and then when it closes you can get out and just have fun in there <laughs> i use it for smuggling churros I never thought i'd be smuggling myself <laughs> yeah right they probably have people checking all those <laughs> yeah day the park closes yeah but i mean as far as them using it in an actual movie i mean if they do end up tearing it down i would hope that i mean if de- depending on how big it is and how long it took them to make it and how much it costs and everything i would think that maybe it's not gonna get destroyed in episode seven you know maybe even if it does get destroyed that hopefully they'll at least get two or three movies out of it and maybe you know destroy it in episode eight or nine just so that you know this thing they put so much effort into they have it around for longer if they need it um also if uh you know if they end up doing a han solo spinoff movie i'm sure they could use it for that too if they don't tear it down at the end of episode seven because you know that would suck if they destroyed it and then they're like hey let's make a han solo movie oh we're gonna need that millennium Falcon again So, yeah, hopefully it uh, it stays up for a while and it's something that they can use and, you know, get uh, get good usage out of. Yeah. 
Or J.J. Abrams can just keep it in his backyard until they need it again. <laughs> that, too. In fact, I wonder if some rich person would just, like, buy that and live in it. Oh, man. Speaking of rich people problems, like we were talking about with the yeah. Legos at the beginning. Like, if I had, you know, just a spare $20 million lying around, I would totally buy the Millennium Falcon. And that's where I'd put my Lego Death Star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you could, uh, or like, paint it blue and stick it in the communications room, act like it's a, you know, a hologram of it or something like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or, uh, you know, hire somebody to, like, make you a holographic degeneric chess table. <laughs> I know, man. See, the stuff we can do if we had money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, yeah, so in addition to that, I mean, you know, we've got R2, we've got rumors of the Millennium Falcon, um, and then we had a couple of interviews with J.J. Abrams where he was uh, talking about the, well, first he talked about the inclusion of R2-D2 in the film, and um, he kind of joked that uh, they asked him if C-3PO was also going to be in it, and he said, 3PO and R2 have different agents. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. But and uh, then in this other view, other interview, he's talking about um, what it's like working with Lawrence Kasdan, and he says it's a really great experience and working in the UK, which he says he's always wanted to do, but at the same time is kind of difficult because of you know now being married and having a family and everything, it makes it hard to leave them for that long of a period of time. But um, you know, it's it's just uh, makes it seem like everything is still going pretty smoothly on the production and like he and uh, Lawrence Kasdan are having a great time writing the script. And, you know, it's always great when we hear from JJ because we know he can be so secretive about his project sometimes, but um, you know, anytime he's got something to say about star Wars, I'm like, Ooh, what is it this time? Yeah. Same here. Like no matter if it's just one little sentence that he says, I've always got to see what it is. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, video interview he did with MTV, that's the, pretty good one to check out we have it on our uh, twitter page a link to it that's where he talks about r2 and 3bo having different agents but then he also talks about in that interview just kind of showing his relief of having the release date be for december instead of the summer release just saying how it's gonna work all the way around with the production of the movie just having that extra bit of time just makes things it's just gonna make it a lot better and just stress the point that um, it would be great to have a summer blockbuster, but that movie has to be great. <laughs> like, we just can't put a movie out. So he's definitely seemed happy about that. And definitely stay for the end of the interview because it's pretty funny where the guy who interviews him from MTV closes it out with a Jar Jar impression that's pretty much dead on. And <laughs> Abrams just can't believe it. He's like, wow. He's like, I'm glad you saved that for the end of the interview. <laughs> so I didn't have to follow that up with anything. <laughs> Next time he should just do the whole interview like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, definitely check that one out. It's pretty good. Yeah, Mr. Abrams, who saw you saw gonna cast in a new yeah. movie? <laughs> Is it gonna be Misa? <laughs> Does Misa get a part? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But um, yeah, so and we talked about that before too. How it's just really good to know that they've got more time to work on the movie now, and so. Um, you know, obviously JJ is going right along with that and I'm sure anybody working on that movie is going to want to have as much time as possible to make it really good. Yeah. I don't know about this with JJ, whether the Star Trek movies or not, but if he's the type of director where like he's working on it to the very last minute or even like the day of the release or the day that has to be into the studio, what if he's that type of director who's always working on it, just can't really let it go. Kind of like how Lucas was. 
I'm sure that, I mean, regardless of what type of director he is, I'm sure that just with a project as big as Star Wars, they're going to be working on it down to the deadline. Um, it's funny because I know from a couple of in- recent interviews that I watched that Peter Jackson is kind of doing the same thing with the Hobbit movies. And it's like, I don't know if yeah. that's necessarily because he's that type of director. I think it's just because it's that um, ambitious of a project, you know, and you've just got so much CGI and so much footage to cut and, you know, so much stuff going on. And it's just such a big movie and a big production that it's like, you're going to make use of every second that you have to work on that. You're not just going to get it done and kind of have a month to just like sit back and relax. It's like, if you've got an extra month, there's probably more you can do to touch it up a little bit here or there. Yeah, I was actually just listening to part of the audio commentary for the Hobbit Extended Edition, and Peter Jackson even mentioned the very last shot of the movie with Smog's head coming out of the gold and the treasure. He said that shot they were working on the day of the New Zealand premiere, and even then he goes, it just doesn't look quite right, the way the gold coins are coming down his face. It just I wish I had a little more time with it. I just doesn't look as good as it could be. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see it now, where... Kind of some of the coins you could tell the CG effects, just the way it's coming out, just doesn't look quite right. But yeah, so he was definitely one of those ones who's worked out to the very last minute. I mean, the day of the premiere, I think, is as last minute as you can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I haven't heard that commentary, or I don't, you know, I haven't really noticed that looking at the gold coins or whatever. But I remember just watching, I was probably watching like some online broadcast or something that they had of, uh, of the premiere of the first movie when that came out, um, like last December. And I was, you know, I was watching this video of the New Zealand premiere and Peter Jackson was like, Oh, you know, thank you all for coming. We just finished the movie earlier today. And as we're standing out here on the red carpet, like it's being shipped from the studio to the movie theater right now that you're going to go watch in like half an hour. So, you know, that's, that's pretty crazy when stuff gets all hectic and down to the last minute like that. I know, man, I just can't even imagine the stress those directors must have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm sure with Star Wars, it'll probably be pretty similar. And I do kind of know some of that stress myself because when I was working on my Star Wars film or, you know, the first half of it that I had a actually got to have sort of a theatrical screening for um, at the beginning of this year, it was back in March. And uh, some of the other, you know, me and some of the other senior students from my school, we got to um, show our films at uh, local theater, like right down the street from our school. But I think we had the screening on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, but they the deadline was the Friday before they wanted um, just like the raw movie files for all our projects because then the teachers were going to like review them and burn them all to DVDs and make sure that they played at the theater and everything. And so on that Friday deadline, that was I think the first time in my life actually that I've ever pulled a complete all nighter. Um, you know, I, I mostly managed to avoid all that through college. I mean, I've had nights where I stayed up to like three or four or five in the morning, but then, you know, still at least got like a couple hours of sleep, but I stayed up all through the night, went to school the next day, was still working to try and finish it. And then, you know, came back home. I, I think I turned it in probably around like three, two or three in the afternoon, um, and got back home probably around like three or four and then finally went to sleep. <laughs> but um yeah and i wasn't the only one either i was in there editing with a couple other guys who were you know trying to get as much done as possible right before the last minute sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's crazy it's hectic it's stressful it's tiring but the end reward is all or you know the end result is always well worth it if you've uh you know made a good film and made it worth all that time and effort and you know just getting to see that finished product it's like whew, all that work that almost killed me was worth it <laughs> 
And if you're still not happy with it, two words, special edition. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Straight from the Lucas School of Filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's never finished. Yeah. Well, and see, I can I can kind of relate to that too, because it's it's hard to put a project down. Like, you know, on on the one hand, you know, you, you have to get it finished enough. And, uh, there are certain things that, you know, you have to get done. Like if a, if a CG shot's not finished, like, you know, you can't just leave the, you know, original previs models in there. Like there's some stuff that you have to get done. And then there are things where it's like, okay, I could submit this as the finished film, but I kind of want to tweak this a little bit or tweak that a little bit. And you always want to go back and like, oh, I should have changed this and I should have changed that. So I can totally understand why George wanted to go back and, you know, really special editions of the movies. Cause I'm sure over the years he had things that he wanted to get in the movie that he didn't get to, even though, you know, for us not knowing what he had planned originally, it's like, we thought the movie was good enough as it is, but you know, filmmaker as a filmmaker, you always want to go and tinker more with that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's probably just a creative thing in general, <laughs> or it's hard to actually finish something that you spend so much time working on. Yeah, and it's kind of a it comes to an end. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a perfectionism thing too. You just yeah. want it to be as good as you can possibly make it, even though you don't always have time for that. You have to, you know, you have time to make it good enough, but you wish you had time to make it totally perfect. Yeah, like never perfect, almost. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, so we've got a couple more episode seven related items. Um, a couple of casting rumors, actually, in addition to the uh, scripts and the open casting calls and stuff that are going around for these two characters, Thomas and Rachel, that we've talked about before. Apparently now the episode seven producers are also looking for a new role who is a 40 something military man, a la Matt Damon in Elysium. So sort of that type of uh, character, I guess. And it was funny because when I first saw this, the first character that popped into my head was Candorous Ordo from Knights of the Old Republic who's uh, kind of like a veteran Mandalorian warrior. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's probably like 40s or 50s or so. And then I was like, nah, okay, he's probably not going to be in episode seven. But still, that was, you know, when they, when they said a 40-something military man in Star Wars, I didn't think Matt Damon in Elysium. I thought Candor's Ordo in Knights <laughs> of the Old Republic. So, you know, we'll see if we end up getting something sort of along those lines. Yeah, no, I haven't seen Elysium, so I'm not too familiar with Matt Damon's character in that, but... Um, that has been rumored before. I think in the, that casting call sheet that came out, they were looking for kind of an older guy who had like a military past or something. So uh, those rumors look like it's going to be end up probably being the true in the movie. There's going to be a character like that because this is the first time we've actually heard this description of a character like that. But to be so specific as to say someone like Matt Damon's character in Elysium is the first. So um, maybe I'll check that movie out before the episode seven comes out to get a sneak peek of maybe what, that character will be like so because i really don't know too much about it yeah well it's interesting because they say a 40 something military man but i don't think and i saw elysium and i'm trying to remember um i don't remember his character's whole whole past and backstory and everything but i don't think he was actually like a military guy um i think he was just like a a factory worker or something although he might have been like an ex-military or uh -huh. police or something like that but then you know he that ends attitude up, of a military guy or something yeah and then he ends up getting like upgraded with this you know sort of this uh mech suit or something like that and you know it's kind of like this sci-fi action where he goes and does a whole bunch of military action type stuff but 
um, I don't, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about his character. It was a pretty cool movie, but it wasn't, I just don't remember everything specifically about it. I just but, remember certain shots from the trailer. It looks like that uh, suit he has kind of gives him, like, the ability to use force pushes and stuff like that. Because doesn't he knock down a car or something just by having his hand pushed out? I don't think it gave him, like, force power type stuff. It gave him extra strength because of, you know, like, sort of the, the motorized, you know, hydraulics in the joints or whatever. And so it was like that could add extra you know, force and impact and all that kind of stuff. So I remember he was pretty strong and could like run fast and jump and all that kind of stuff. But I don't remember him using any sort of like telekinetic type stuff. At least that's what it looked like in the trailer. <laughs> I just got that impression. It was like a quick shot, but I go, yeah. oh, it's like he's going to have the force powers on it. <laughs> then again, I could be wrong. But I mean, if he did, then it wasn't like a huge part of it. I just remember there being a lot of shooting and running and stuff. I don't remember yeah. <laughs> a lot of sort of superpower type stuff being thrown into it. We'll have but, to save that for our Elysium podcast then. <laughs> Get into an in-depth discussion about it. Yeah. But uh, so that's one rumor. And then there's another rumor that uh, Matt Smith, who is currently playing the doctor on Doctor Who, that he went in for an audition for episode seven, which to me would be really cool because I'm a big Doctor Who fan. And I know, Tim, I've talked to you about this before and you said you're not really into it. But, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where. It's just a rumor that he went in for an audition. It's not like, oh, we hear that Matt Smith has secretly been, you know, talking to J.J. Abrams for months or, you know, he's already been offered this part or whatever. It's like, you know, he's just gone in and auditioned for a role. And it's still a rumor, you know, nobody's confirmed or denied it. But I'm like, okay, you know what? I believe it because they're having open casting calls right now. Everybody on the freaking planet is auditioning <laughs> for this movie. Like, you know. And so if they're having open casting calls in cities and you can submit video auditions online, it's like somebody who is well-established in sci-fi and, you know, has, you know, a, a pretty uh, well-established, I guess, acting resume. I mean, Matt Smith is still kind of young and hasn't acted in a whole lot of stuff, but obviously he's pretty prolific as the doctor. And so, um, you know, for somebody of that caliber as an actor to have gone in for an audition for episode seven, I'm like that. I'm not surprised by at all. Um, now, whether or not he's actually going to be in it, um, gosh, I can't even decide if I would want to see him in it or not, because on the one hand, he's got such a sort of unique personality as the doctor it's like if i saw him in star wars i don't know if i could see him as anything else like it might kind of pull me out of it a little bit i'd be like oh look there's the doctor but i also haven't really seen him in anything besides doctor who and so if he's you know pretty versatile as an actor then who knows he could play something completely you know the opposite of what i might expect him to be and you know if he's an alien or a villain or something like that I might be like, wow, I didn't know Matt Smith could do that. And now he's, you know, really good in Star Wars. And it's not just making me think of the Doctor because he's playing it completely differently. So, um, you know, I'm kind of intrigued to see, like, if he does end up getting cast in it, you know, which way they would go with it and what character he would be and how he'd play that. Or maybe they'll uh, keep it to, like, Doctor Who uh, tradition where he'll be the new Hu Yang and uh, Luke Skywalker, the Jedi Order, taking over from David Tennant's Hu Yang. <laughs> 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 we see the droid get like shot by a stormtrooper and then regenerate and have the same face but a different voice because it's a droid i don't know <laughs> <laughs> just so they could both say they played the same droid <laughs> yeah yeah and if anybody's confused we're talking about hu yang the droid from the clone wars who uh 
you know, helps the younglings build their lightsabers. Just as, when you first said the name, I was like, wait, who? And then when you said taking over from David Tennant, I was like, oh, that's what you're talking about. Because <laughs> David Tennant voiced Hu Yang in The Clone Wars and actually won an Emmy for that performance because he was really good at it. But um, that's kind of beside the point. But um, that's yeah, thing, so, too. not too many droids actually just have a name like Hu Yang. They're just like letters and numbers. <laughs> that's why another reason yeah, why it stands out. Yeah, that's true, too. But then again, you know, he's supposed to be like a thousand years old or something like that. But yeah, he helps the, all these little Jedi kids build their lightsabers after they go and get their crystals. And he's a pretty cool character. But uh, yeah, who knows? We could see him or hear him voicing a droid or some other alien character or who knows? I, I think if he were to be cast in it, that's what I would most like to see is um, something that would surprise me because... You know, like I said, I can kind of only see him as the doctor right now. And I'm sure that the casting people for episode seven kind of have the same thing in mind where, um, you know, we've talked about how they sort of are looking for lesser known actors and you don't want like big Hollywood A-listers that people are going to think, oh, that's just Matt Damon or Leonardo DiCaprio or whoever. Um, and, you know, you want to really sort of believe those characters and get sucked into the story. And so they're not going to want him to be running around and it's going to look like, Oh, there's the doctor in the star Wars universe, you know? So I think they would probably try to utilize him in some way that would, uh, you know, like I said, be sort of against the doctor who typecast. So I I would be excited to see what they come up with. I won't have that problem since I haven't seen a doctor who episode. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, something against the show. I just like one of those things where, it's just one of those things I never watched or just took the time to get into because I keep seeing on Twitter and all that how everybody loves it and how great it is. It's just one of those series that's really popular. We're just like, for one reason or another, just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it or try to get into it. So maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of how I was for a while. But, you know, maybe one of these days you'll have a close friend or relative or somebody who will finally be like, sit down and watch this with me. And then you'll get sucked into it because that's what happened to me. <laughs> Plus, too, it seems like since it's so old, too, where was it started in the 60s, didn't it? Yeah. So, like, I don't know if you have to watch every single one to get the full aspect of it when you watch the current series or not. So, like, where do you even start to watch it? No. Yeah, see, what a lot of people do nowadays, like people who get into the newer series, um, because it started back in the 60s, but then it went off the air, like, in the late 80s. Um, and then came back in 2005. And so that's sort of... The the newer, more current series goes back from, you know, now back to like 2005. So that's kind of where a lot of people start from. And there's like seven seasons since then. And uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of the newer fans have only seen like those seven seasons. Um, And then some people, obviously, there are some people who have been, you know, grown up with it and watched it their whole life and have watched all the older stuff. And then there are some people like our friend Jason over on the Wampus Lair who just got into it recently but then wanted to go back and watch all the old episodes and you know i know jason's gone and watched like a ton of stuff and he's always pretty much pillaging all the local libraries of all their doctor who dvds but uh <laughs> see that's one of those things where i'm like maybe someday i'll get around to watching some of the older stuff but for now you know i mean i, I really like the newer stuff and even just from watching some of the newer stuff and talking to a lot of fans and stuff like that i've sort of gotten some perspective on the older series like i know who all the older doctors are and i know some of the storylines and characters and stuff like that but i've just never um i don't think i've watched the entirety of one of the older episodes myself but and again like you said that's one of those things where it's just it goes back so far and there's so many of them that i wouldn't really know where to start but maybe one of these days i'll just you know pick a handful of them to watch yeah well this is good to know there's a 
jump good jumping on point if i wanted to yeah yeah the newer series is definitely a good jumping on point and then of course they just had their 50th anniversary special uh i think it was just last week yeah it was pretty recently and so you know it's been on for 50 years from 1963 through 2013 and still going so um yeah that's pretty cool and uh i guess for some of our fans out there who uh, maybe haven't checked it out, but you're looking for maybe a new sci-fi franchise to latch on to, you could go check out Doctor Who. I highly recommend it. But I think that's a long enough Doctor Who tangent for now. <laughs> but um, it would be pretty cool to see Matt Smith in there, though. Um, he's a really fun, kind of quirky actor. So I would be interested to see what they could do with him in Star Wars. Um, and then one more Episode Seven related rumor. Um, and this was kind of just something that uh, they posted on bleedingcool.com. They posted the scripts that are being sent out online for the auditions, um, you know, the the open online auditions that you can uh, submit for Episode 7. Basically, you put in your information and they'll send you, like, a, a short two-page script um, to read in front of a camera and, you know, film yourself and send that in. Um, I also downloaded that myself. I got them to send it to me just because... Um, I don't even know if I'm going to send in an audition or not, but I kind of just wanted to check it out and see what it was like. And, uh, you know, like I said, you just put in your email address and your name and maybe your age or whatever, but it's not a whole lot of like credentials that you have to put in. They'll pretty much just send it to anybody and you can check it out, but it doesn't give away anything about star Wars at all. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, you can go download it, but you're not going to gain any clues about episode seven, unless you're like really good at reading between the lines, because this whole story, it's about, you know, these two characters, Thomas and Rachel, and one of them's injured and they're limping along down this road. And one of them is trying to get the other one to eat an apple because they're injured and, you know, need to get some nourishment. And then they're trying to make this way, make their way towards this barn and take cover before nightfall or whatever. Obviously not a star Wars specific story, um, you know, there's no Jedi or Sith or stormtroopers or alien planets or anything like that. It's like, this could take place on earth with a couple of normal people in the present day. So, um, you know, on the surface, it doesn't look like there's really anything Star Wars related in there, but I think if anything, this, this is either something they totally made up or it could be sort of a, um, I don't know, a transformation maybe of a scene that's actually in the script where they took it from the Star Wars universe and sort of transplanted it to modern times. Like, okay, if these two Jedi characters were just a couple of modern day people here on earth, like how would the scene play out? And they might've done it like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, like once we actually see episode seven, um, you know, if there's a scene and be like, Oh, Hey, that's that scene for Thomas and Rachel that they sent yeah. to the auditions. Look, there's the barn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. The only thing I kind of was looking into it was that of the characters of Thomas and Rachel, they looked to be, according to that dialogue, like they were brother and sister. They said somewhere, like, you got to put family first or family stick together or something like that. So this leads to the, makes you wonder if those characters of Thomas and Rachel who are going to be the characters in episode seven, if they're going to be brother and sister. And that's what the two main characters are going to be, the two male, female leads, if they'll be related somehow. That's the only thing I could gain from that bits and pieces from that script, which I personally, I, when I first saw it, I thought it was leaked and that site Bleeding Cool got its hands on it from some source. But then when you told me that, no, anyone can pretty much get it who auditioned, I was like, oh, okay. So there wasn't really something that was 
in top secret or no one can get their hands on. But <laughs> apparently, pretty much everyone's going to be able to get to see what that audition script looks like. Yeah, well, and you told me about it, and I checked it out thinking that maybe this was going to be like a longer version of the script that they were using for like actual, you know, professional actors who were going in for like one-on-one auditions and not just the open casting calls. But then once I looked at it, I was like, wait a second, I have this. <laughs> like, this isn't really anything special. But uh, it's funny because we actually did get someone who sent us a link on our Twitter page to what supposedly was a full, complete draft of the script for episode seven that that, that got leaked. And uh, it's funny because I've talked about in previous episodes how you know if any spoilers or any leaked scripts or anything like that come out i'm gonna totally stay away from it and then in this case i kind of gave into curiosity and just read like the first few pages but i think more than anything because i was skeptical i was like for some reason i just don't think this could be real and so i maybe had I, I had to read a little bit of it to see if i actually believed it or not and um so if it does turn out to be true i didn't read far enough to actually get any like spoilers on the story or anything but just sort of the beginning setup and uh it was pretty well written and seemed like a kind of interesting story but as someone who's taken script writing classes in film school and just learned you know sort of script formatting and all that kind of stuff it just to me there were just a few too many sort of grammar mistakes and formatting errors and stuff like that to be really believable as like a professional script that somebody would write and i'm not trying to be all like grammar nazi or super nitpicky or anything like that but it's like if this was written by you know a film student or something then it would be like a really good uh attempt at writing a star wars movie but i was just sitting there going wow would michael aren't really misspell that or you know do the scene heading wrong here or whatever the the fact was and then um I also told you about this because uh, you t- you were the one who told me about this leaked script, but then I went and read some of it before you did. Yeah, I haven't had um, a chance to look through it at all. <laughs> yeah, but th- there was one part where they specifically reference uh, the Star Wars as like an event in the film. And uh, there's one character who's like Wedge Antilles' son, and he meets up with Wedge, and Wedge has just like shot down some TIE fighters in an X-Wing, and he's like, Dad, what are you doing out here? Like... You know, you're still in conflict, like, fighting all these TIE fighters after you spent my whole life trying to get me to stay out of the Star Wars. And I was like, (laughs) that that sounds suspicious to me. (laughs) Like, right there, right when you told me about that, okay, there's no way this script is real. (laughs) Just hearing that, the Star Wars, like, oh, man, (laughs) that just doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, so, you know, if anybody else happens to come across that floating around online and you want to take a look at it... um, Take it with a salt shaker. Yeah. Put it that way. <laughs> not just a grain of salt. <laughs> a salt shaker. Yeah, not a grain of salt. A whole salt shaker. But um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that. And uh, you know, still waiting to hear any official confirmation, obviously, about what the story might actually about or might actually be about, or what characters are going to be in it or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, at this point, I wouldn't believe too many of the rumors and supposedly leaked things that are floating around out there. Especially ones that say the Star Wars in dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, they had, like, the initials of the scriptwriters on the front page, and it had Michael Arndt and Lawrence Kasdan, but no Simon Kinberg and two other sets of initials that you and I were, like, 
who are those people? Yeah. I was like, even no GL on there, just like other initials like that are not recognizable. So. Yeah, no GL, no JJA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember what those other two initials were, but like you said, nothing that makes you piece together that who is this person? Yeah. So, um, anyway, I think that about wraps it up for all the episode seven stuff, which was a lot. I mean, like we said, not really any huge news except for the confirmation that R2 is going to be in the movie, but just a lot of smaller tidbits and rumors and stuff floating around like we usually have. But, uh, Tim, you want to take us into the, uh, this couple of video game, uh, pieces of news that we've got <laughs> news slash rumors slash yeah. <laughs> mu- yeah, general so- musings. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Next week is the VGA Awards. We're hoping we get a, a Battlefront trailer, or at least a new trailer for one of the other EA Star Wars video game projects. But until then, which we're hoping for, some new stories from EA. They did some interviews the last few weeks. And one of them was that um, they announced, too, that their contract with Lucasfilm is for 10 years, which I thought was an, announced in the first press release. Maybe it just said multiple years or something, but personally thought i thought i heard that before where their deal is 10 years but if it wasn't it's now officially 10 years is what their deal is with lucasfilm and then the other bit of news that came out in that same uh piece was that they said they're not going to be doing any games based on the actual star wars new movies of star wars which i for one am kind of happy about because those ones never really turn out good <laughs> i thought the episode three game was pretty good the multiplayer on that was really fun but um, they're just going to focus on just doing other stories not set and centered around the main plot of episode 7 or 8 or 9 or whatever the movies that are coming out at the time. So I guess that's good because it gives the creative teams or the developers more creative freedom to do what they want and not have to be tied down to make sure they're following the exact plot of the movie. But um, on the same hand, too, I don't know if you ever thought about this. I've always wanted just a good Star Wars saga video game because we got... Back in the Super Nintendo days, like Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, Super Return of the Jedi. But then, like, the Episode 1 game that came out was terrible. They only came out with an Episode 2 game for the Game Boy Advance. And then, like I said, the Episode 3 game was pretty decent. But I always thought it would be awesome just to have one game that's just called, like, Star Wars. And has all the great missions and, or, or action sequences from the movies as missions in the actual game. I've been wanting that for for so long, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be happening anytime soon now, especially with episodes 7, 8, and 9. So now i got to think to myself, well, maybe once the sequel trilogy is done, we'll get the ultimate Star Wars movie game. But <laughs> <laughs> until then, it doesn't look like we're going to get standalone episode 7, episode 8 games, which I'm pretty much okay with. Yeah. I don't no, know if you feel the same way, but I mean, the tie-in movie games don't have the best track record. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I've thought the same thing about a Star Wars saga movie game. And you know what the best one is that we have? Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. Yeah. Because even (laughs) though it's in Lego, it's like, I mean, like you said, that's the only game where you can play through, you know, sort of all the best parts and all the big action action sequences of all six Star Wars movies. And, um, you know, like you said, too, the episode three video game I thought was pretty good. Um, I didn't play the episode one or episode two games, except uh, played a heck of a lot of episode one racer back in the day. And that game was really good. But, you know, that that wasn't one that they tried to, like, adapt the story of the movie or anything. Obviously, that was just they took the pod racing and ran with it. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that they're going this route, although 
I think that this is something that I had heard before too, like maybe in an interview or something that they were focusing more on just sort of new Star Wars games and new areas of the Star Wars universe and not just trying to adapt the stories of the movies into games. But I think, I feel like that's one of Star Wars biggest strengths is that the universe is so big. And like you said, uh, video game tie-ins or, you know, video game tie-ins with movies, like games that are based off of movies that come out usually don't have a very good track record of being very good. And I think Star Wars is one of the exceptions to that rule that there are a lot of good Star Wars games, but it's because so few of them are actually like strictly based on the games Um, And they're, you know, they just draw from so many of the other elements in that universe, whether it be completely new stories like Knights of the Old Republic or Force Unleashed or Republic Commando or even games that are sort of, um, you know, that draw from the movies or include movie elements or something like um, like the Battlefront games or, you know, some of the Rogue Squadron games where you have missions where you're like blowing up the Death Star or whatever. Um, even games like that, they don't stick, they don't confine themselves to like sticking strictly to the movies. It's like sometimes they have a story mode or a campaign mode, but then there's also, you know, the multiplayer and the, you know, all the different, you know, free play and whatever kind of stuff you can do where you're just running around the Star Wars universe, you know, blasting TIE fighters in an X-Wing or shooting droids as a clone trooper or whatever you want to do. It's like, it's, it's just more about having a Star Wars experience in that universe than trying to tie it down specifically to a movie. And I think that's something that Star Wars gaming has done really well. And I'm glad that that's something that EA is going to continue to try to draw upon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, don't ever go back and try to look for that uh, episode one game on the PlayStation or PC. Cause, oh, man. oh, was it the, <laughs> no, uh, wait, was it Jedi power battles? No, that one, that one I actually thought was pretty fun, but I know it didn't get pretty good reviews <laughs> looking back on it, but I found it fun at the time, but the actual episode one time. It was just a straight up episode, Star Wars episode one game. Yeah, just the thing that bugged me the most about that, besides its awful graphics and controls, was that when you play as Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon, you couldn't use your lightsaber all the time. I can't remember if it was like ran on some power or if you just had to unlock it later, but you were pretty much running around levels with blasters. I'm like, I don't want to be a Jedi with a blaster gun. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a Jedi well. with a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I didn't play that. <laughs> Although actually now that you mentioned that I think I remember hearing about that or maybe seeing, you know, videos or screenshots or something of it like years later, but yeah, I didn't play that at the time when it came out. The best part about the game was for when you got it on PC, the menu for it was like the beginning of the Obi-Wan Darth Maul fight and the the video VHS and of course the DVD wasn't out at that time, so that was like the only good quality footage I have of that fight sequence. So I just kept <laughs> nice. watching it over and over, <laughs> just popping it in to see that, not even to play the game. <laughs> yeah, I remember having certain games on my Game Boy where yeah, I didn't have the Star Wars soundtracks, but you would play these games and like the opening title screen or you know menu or whatever would have sort of like a you know an eight bit like video game version of uh you know certain star wars music and i would just like you know i'd finish playing the game and then i would just plug my headphones into my game boy and just like lie there in bed or whatever just listening to the music repeating (laughs) on the on the title screen because i had uh, i had episode one racer for pc but i also had the game boy color game and that one had um you know duel of the fates as the the theme music or at least part of it and then i also had a Oh, I can't even remember what it was called, but I um, there was an episode two game 
and it wasn't the the regular like Attack of the Clones game for Game Boy, but it was another one that came out afterwards, and it was supposed to be sort of like an indirect sequel to uh, to Episode Two, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was like you were playing as Anakin fighting in the Clone Wars, and I'm pretty sure it was non-canon because you end up like killing Dooku, and it turns out to be like a clone of Dooku or something oh, like wow. that. It, it was pretty weird, but it was it was pretty fun at the time, but. Um, I remember listening to the Across the Stars theme like over and over on the on the menu screen of that game. Yeah, I love eight bit the old eight bit style music, <laughs> and the Star Wars theme sounds even cool on that. <laughs> yeah, but the game that is rumored that EA is working on is that an open world Star Wars game it might be developed by EA Canada. I think this was from Kotaku, where there was a job posting, I believe, for like an animation department. For from EA Canada, which some person I think who's close to that was saying that oh this is for the new Star Wars game and this is set to be open world. And when I heard that, I was like, part of me was excited because that's something that we haven't got too much in Star Wars video games. But I was like, can they just do that with Star Wars thirteen thirteen? Because I think that was supposed to be open world also, set on Coruscant, but different levels. So I was like, if they're gonna do that anyway, just finish up Star Wars thirteen <laughs> thirteen. So yeah. it was like. Something to be excited for, but at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm just like, I still want Star Wars 1313 so bad. <laughs> I still look at those Boba Fett concept art that just shake my head like, uh, what could have been? Yeah, well, you know, I don't think 1313 was supposed to be open world. I think the original concept, like, they started working on an open world game. Um, and if you go back and read some of the stuff that's come out since LucasArts closed down about sort of what was going on behind the scenes and some of the stuff they were working on and... Um, I know there's a lot of information about sort of um, how 1313 originated, and I'm pretty sure I remember reading that, like, their original concept was they wanted to do basically a Star Wars version of Grand Theft Auto um, and do, you know, just sort of like an open-world Star Wars game. And then that idea sort of changed and evolved into what 1313 ended up becoming. But I don't think 1313 was going to be a completely open world action game or you know completely open world game it was going to be more sort of action adventure okay. like straight along a level kind of like um you know uncharted or something like that where you know you sort of have some exploration and some you know different levels of you know climbing up and down and you know sort of different um levels and stages i guess of the levels that you're playing through but it's not like completely open world yeah because when you think open world i'm trying to think of what star wars planet would be best for that and Right away, I think of Coruscant, and then when I think of Coruscant, I'm thinking, well, they have 1313 already set to there, so all that plays yeah. into my thinking, where why can't they just finish up 1313? Yeah, well, you know what, I'm hoping that if 13, it, you know, if they can't work it out and finish 1313, then hopefully it'll be sort of a, a spiritual successor or a similar type of game where we get to play as Boba Fett or maybe play as, you know, a bounty hunter and just run around and do bounty hunter stuff on the Coruscant Underworld, you know. Um, something like that, or even something where you could travel to different planets. That would be pretty cool too. Yeah, have like multiple open worlds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Set on one. Yeah, yeah with the next gen consoles, maybe they can do that now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, kind of like how with the old Republic, even there's you know different planets that you travel to, and I mean, I guess you could say that's pretty open world, but at the same time, you know, each planet there's only like a certain amount of stuff to do. Like, I definitely after playing the old Republic, I definitely do not want an open world game set on Tatooine. Yeah, well, that's just—it's <laughs> coarse and rough and irritating, and the sand gets everywhere. <laughs> and how, like, even the different spaceports, like Mos Eisley and Mos Espa, they look pretty much the same. <laughs> so yeah. there's not much variety. Yeah, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it could be interesting to see what they do with that. And maybe we'll get an announcement about that at the VGAs or I guess the VGX Awards, as they're calling them this year. They're trying to do something new or weird or something with it this year. I, I was We were reading about it before we started recording and I was kind of a little bit confused as to what the format actually is. But I probably won't be like watching it all day or paying attention to the whole thing, but I will definitely be checking up on it afterwards to see if any Star Wars announcements came out. Yeah, because I'm supposed to have like a live streaming thing throughout the day before the award show or something like that. And like what we're talking about, I don't know if we're going to spend all day just waiting for a new Star Wars trailer <laughs> to come yeah. out. So I'm sure we'll get it eventually on all the main video game sites. And of course, the actual VGA award show, hoping something gets revealed there. Yeah. Like I'm torn. I don't know what I want more, like a full-on new Battlefront trailer or the announcement of a new Star Wars game. Right now, I'm kind of leaning toward Battlefront. <laughs> I just want to see some more footage of that, whatever they have ready. Yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of leaning more towards new game because I've probably said this before, but I still don't think at this point they're going to have any in-game footage of Battlefront ready. Um, although they could just do like a full-blown, you know, three-minute-long cinematic trailer showing like all the different classes yeah. and vehicles that they're going to have I'll in the take game. That. <laughs> and that could be really cool. Yeah, I will take that. I'll take any Star Wars CGI trailer especially after the three trailers that came out for the old Republic, you know, those three cinematic trailers, like anything anywhere close to that level of quality. Um, I will totally get, Oh, speaking of which, okay, I'm going to go on a little tangent here for a second. Um, (laughs) Did you, did you see Thor the dark world? Yeah. Okay. And maybe minor spoilers here for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I'm not going to like completely ruin the movie or anything, but that scene where, um, where the dark elves are attacking Asgard and, the one like gets his ship through the shield and like crashes it into oh, the yeah, throne. Oh yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> Did that remind you of the uh, the old Republic, the first Deceive trailer where they're crashing the yeah. gunship into the Republic, uh, into the Jedi Temple? Yeah, you're just waiting for them to ignite the red lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was like totally right out of that trailer where the there's. I mean, even the interior of the room looked similar, where it's this sort yeah, of right. golden brown color uh, in the throne room, and there's all these columns, and then the ship crashes through the wall, and the wings of the ship are knocking out the columns, and then all the Asgard soldiers are just kind of standing around it, waiting for something to happen, and then, you know, the hatch bursts open, and all these dark elves come running out and take them all by surprise and start shooting everybody, and I was like... Am I the only one who thought they took that right out of the old Republic? <laughs> but I wasn't like, oh, that's the piece of crap. You know, you guys ripped that off. I was like, I thought it was really cool to see that in a, you know, on screen in a big movie. Because I'm like, I would pay to go see that trailer at a movie theater, probably. I, you know, I'd pay like a couple dollars to go watch that on a movie screen. So I'm like, that's probably the closest I'm ever going to get. Yeah, you're like, oh, where's the female dark elf in Mandalorian armor shooting down? Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I wish I could talk to the director of that movie and be like, did you watch that trailer or was that just really big coincidence? Because it almost, <laughs> it was like right on the borderline of being too close resemblance to be coincidence. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't personally think that when I was watching it, but as you're saying it and thinking back on it, like, you know what, you're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, as I was watching it, I was like, it's the Star Wars trailer, and this is cool because I'm seeing it in a Thor movie. So when I watch it again, either at the theater or on Blu-ray, and I start scene comes out, I know what I'm going to be thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was that those was uh, pretty... grenades really cool though, and that sequence that sucks them into that void. <laughs> oh yeah, black those black hole grenades. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, so we've had a Doctor Who tangent. We've had a Thor tangent. This is fun. Any more tangents before we finish up? <laughs> I'm sure there no. will be before the episode's over. Yeah, because we've still got a couple more things to talk about. Um, kind of some... It's kind of like a good news, bad news situation with our, our last couple news bids. And the bad news is that there are uh, some rumors going around that the plans that we've heard about for some Star Wars expansions to Disneyland and Disney World are uh, kind of in jeopardy. Um, and it seems like things are just going over budget and over schedule and, uh, that Bob Iger, the Disney CEO is like really mad about it right now. And he's sort of just put everything on hold. Um, and that things at the Disneyland park in California might be delayed for a year or two. And that the expansion for Disney world in Florida could get canceled altogether. Um, you know, of course this is still kind of just rumors, but, it's not the same as like, you know, when the Hollywood reporter or not Hollywood reporter, uh, Latino review, when they put something out and say like, Oh, this person's going to be in episode seven. And you're like, Oh, really? It's like a lot of these Disney park rumors usually come from, um, somewhat reputable inside sources, I guess. And it seems like all the ones that we've heard so far, it's been, have ended up being somewhat accurate and, you know, we've heard more about it later. So, um, this could be something that is, you know, actually going to happen with these plans sort of being put on hold, but I hope that, uh, nothing's going too terribly wrong and that we don't have to wait too much longer for him. Yeah. I mean, the best part about the story was that the Disneyland projects are on hold and not canceled because if it was the other way around, I'd be extremely disappointed. That's <laughs> <laughs> living right near Disneyland. I'm just glad that that's the one they're still planning on eventually, hopefully getting these attractions up and running, but yeah, a little disappointed to hear that it's been put on hold, if this is true, because, I mean, the main hope that we were having was that these new attractions would be ready by uh, the time Celebration Anaheim hits, and it'd just be the perfect tie-in for Celebration. I mean, you go to Celebration, you go to Disneyland, see it, check out these new Star Wars attractions, it'd be perfect, but that seems to be in jeopardy now. So that's the only disappointing part for me is that I have to wait probably a little bit longer, but just glad it hasn't been full-on canceled, so... Sorry yeah. to all those fans in Florida. <laughs> if the story is true, the Disney World attractions are flat out canceled. But yeah, well, hopefully they still keep doing Star Wars weekends at Disney World every year. Because I mean, when this first came out, I was kind of surprised that um, I, I mean, when when we first started hearing rumors in the first place that they were going to do a Disney World or a Disneyland Star Wars expansion, and they mentioned Disneyland but not Disney World, and I was like. Well, they have Star Wars weekends at Disney World and not Disneyland, so I'm kind of surprised that the smaller park in California would get all the big expansions. But, um, you know, I'm just hoping that someplace gets them eventually because wherever it is, I'm going to have to go check that out at some point. Um, and again, they, they mentioned in this article, um, you know, some of the stuff that we had talked about that had been previously rumored, like a speeder bike ride and sort of a big millennium falcon that you could walk into like in the entrance and a um like an interactive sort of moss eisley cantina dinner show type thing I'm like that that's still probably the thing that i'm most excited about um because i think the last time i went to disney world and we were like riding star tours and everything and then you come out and go through that little gift shop that looks like a little tattooing hut and i just thought man why don't they just build another one of these and put a restaurant and a Biff band inside and have a Moss Eisley Cantina. Like, how freaking cool would that be? And so um, the fact that that was mentioned as part of these rumors of, you know, things that they might add, I was like, yes, I really want to go to that, in addition to, you know, new rides and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully all this stuff still ends up working out at some point and uh, we still get to do all that. 
And for Celebration Anaheim, when we go out there, you know, we won't get to be at the grand opening of all this new Star Wars stuff. But at least we still have Star Tours 2, which is still yeah. pretty cool. Still only been on that ride once, and I have to go back on that experience all the other different uh, planets and routes that you get to take on the ride. Yeah, that's, I mean, I wrote it like three times when we were there before, but I was still, I'm like, yeah, when we go for Celebration Anaheim, that's definitely something I want to go do again because that was pretty yeah. fun. To spend the whole day just going on Star Tour. <laughs> go right back on. Going like 20 times. And I probably still get tons of repeats. <laughs> yeah. Get, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because I don't know. I'd probably get the ones I've been to like the first five times before I see a different one. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if you're at it enough times, you'll get like some secret one that only a handful of people have ever seen. Episode 7 preview. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. But um, up and make Star Wars land. I mean, just announce that already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow seriously. land into Star Wars land. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. But so that's the uh, kind of the bad news. You know, hopefully, like we said, hopefully that doesn't turn out to be too bad. But then the good news, or potentially good news, because again, this is all still a rumor at this point. But um, you know, Tim, you spotted these rumors about uh, some stuff about the Clone Wars bonus content. So what was that all about? Oh, yeah, this got me really excited. I'm just hoping all this pans out to be true because if it is, it's going to be a great way to close out the Clone Wars as a series. But um, last week, um, the site, the Star Wars Underworld, they got a report from a Polish uh, Star Wars fan site that there was a Star Wars event held in Warsaw, Poland, where there was some actually a Disney representative there, and they screened some of the final episodes of season five. But then after that, they showed a trail, a new trailer showing the bonus content episodes, which has been dubbed the Lost Missions, according to this report. And they had a pretty good trailer description of what was shown at this hall event in Poland. And man, <laughs> lots of cool stuff to get excited about. I mean, just off the top of my head, some of the things was that there are, I should say too, there's a lot of spoilers if you don't want to be if you want to be totally surprised on what's going to happen in these episodes you probably shouldn't read this description or hear some of the things we have to say about it but yeah maybe jump forward a minute or two in your podcast although you know this isn't like huge story spoilerish type stuff this is like if they end up releasing a trailer in the united states for the bonus content it'll probably have all the same stuff in it yeah, so it, it's all sort of spoilery <laughs> trailer type stuff. It's not really like, oh crap, so and so kills so and so at the end of the final episode, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's basically pretty much in the, the trailer description, and they didn't get to cover everything, but there's pretty much covering the Order 66 arc with the clone troopers and the long anticipated Yoda arc, at least for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and some more stuff from the Clovis arc. Yeah, and I was telling you this earlier. I don't know which one I'm more excited for, the Yoda arc or the Order 66 arc. <laughs> I think it's going to depend when I actually see this trailer because, man, the Yoda stuff sounds awesome. And the first big spoiler that was shown in this trailer or in this report was that there's Qui-Gon is back telling Yoda that you must go to Dagobah and there you will find your answers. I was like, man, Qui-Gon's back? And then he mentions Dagobah. But so well, we get to find out why Yoda goes to Dagobah after the and the Revenge of the Sith. So I'll, just right there, that has me so intrigued. And then there's reports that Yoda goes to a planet that looks like Korriban. It's like this big monster that in the description says it's like the Balrog from the Fellowship of the Ring. And then there's Yoda talking to some... There's like a scene where there's these four 
so it looks like four spirits and they're all having a fight with against each other and there's Yoda talking to a, a hooded dark Jedi that's there and then there's a description where Yoda is over by a big tree and if you remember there was that sketch that Dave Filoni tweeted out a while ago where it showed Yoda under this tree with kind of like a face it just looked really weird so I'm kind of thinking that's probably the same thing so I'm just dying to know what this mission Yoda goes on, what's it all about? That's obviously has something to do with the Force and the dark side and maybe some ancient Sith. And I'm pretty sure I told you about this or if you heard about it, but the report where Mark Hamill let out of the bag that he did a voiceover for Clone Wars and that it was a Sith Lord. I just really hope that this is it. Like this is the arc Mark Hamill is talking about and we oh, don't know really? who he's playing. about that. But it seems like it all lining up together where this is the event where Mark Hamill is going to be in it. And maybe that's why they're just holding off on talking too much about this arc. Cause you'd think that'd be a big old publicity thing that would be on these different sites like entertainment weekly, which sometimes gets some exclusive clone war stuff or it'd just be a big announcement knowing that Mark Hamill is doing a voice for it. So. Wait, 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 hold up. When, when did he say that though? Oh, was that celebration Europe? I believe. Oh, okay. Cause I'm like, I totally missed that. Yeah. Unless you told me and I just don't remember, but I'm like, Holy crap. Mark Hamill is a Sith Lord. Because, yeah. you know, I remember Dave Filoni saying, like, if I ever bring Mark Hamill back, I want it to be for the right character. I want it to be for, like, a really important, impactful character that'll be, you know, worth bringing him back into the Star Wars universe. And he said he had already considered Mark Hamill a couple of times for roles and then decided they weren't really big enough. And I remember the first one that jumped to mind for me. I was like, I wonder if he was going to have him be pre-Vizsla. Um, just because, you know, they went with John Favreau for that, who's you know, a big name sort of director and does some acting too. And I'm like, you know, that's, he's, he's not just sort of like one of their usual crew of voice actors. I'm like to bring in somebody sort of of that status. I was like, I wonder if he almost brought in Mark Hamill for that and then decided to save him for later. Um, but the fact that he's going to be a Sith Lord, I'm like, and especially on Korriban, I'm thinking back to Knights of the Old Republic where you have to actually like meet and fight like different spirits of ancient Sith Lords that are buried there. And I'm like, holy crap, what if they have Mark Hamill voicing, you know, the Force Ghost of Revan or Mark Aragnos or any of these other, you know, Sith Lords from the EU, or, of course, it could be some completely new character, too. But, um, wow, now I'm, like, even more incredibly excited for that. Yeah. I mean, Mark Hamill did give out a clue when he said that. He said that it ties, his character, like, has ties into Episode 1. And then that got me thinking, oh, that Plagueis. might actually be, that actually might be, either Plagueis or Darth Bane because the whole rule of two thing. And maybe that's his connection towards that. So Holy like, like you said, Plagueis crap. or Bane. So either one would be awesome. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my so, gosh. So it's like, uh, when I read that, I was like, just putting the pieces together in my head. This is all fitting into what Mark Hamill's saying. And then this Yoda arc like, oh, I just want to see it so bad. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it was interesting, though. I was reading another uh, another article on, I think it was on StarWars.com. They've been posting these articles over the past couple of months or something like these interviews with Dave Filoni sort of looking back on the Clone Wars. And I think it was in one of these episodes that he talked about bringing back Sam Witwer to voice Darth Maul after he had already played the son in the Mortis trilogy. And he said something about part of the reason he decided to do that was that he wanted to have the stuff on Mortis, even though it was sort of like in its own little, you know, bubble force universe or whatever, have that actually have repercussions on the, 
you know, on, on the real galaxy, I guess you could say, and um, sort of have that tie in where, you know, the, the sort of the embodiment of evil on Mortis and the reborn Darth Maul have the same voice. So you kind of make that connection there. And I was like, holy crap, I never even really thought about that. That like when the sun is sort of doing evil stuff on Mortis and it seems like it, it kind of seems like for a while, like the the bad guys kind of won. I mean, he, you know, yeah. destroys sort of the light side. And, you know, I'm trying not to spoil it too much in case anybody hasn't seen it yet. But um, things sort of take a, a darker turn at one point And I'm like, wow, is that supposed to like represent Darth Maul coming back? And like, whoa. I know it all makes perfect sense too. <laughs> the way Dave Filoni talks about it is like, yeah, it totally makes sense why you would see so similarities in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I just thought Sam Witwer did a great job voicing Darth Maul, anyways. But I never really thought about that sort of being a. I never thought about Darth Maul's resurrection sort of being a connection to some of the stuff that happened on Mortis and just sort of yeah. all that sort of metaphorical, forcey mystical stuff was sort of being a reflection of the actual galaxy. Yeah. I mean, the, the two things I love in star Wars is the most Jedi in this force. And then on the battlefront stuff, clone troopers and all those stuff. And then the arc, the order 66 arc, we're going to be getting to, I mean, we're getting the best of both worlds for me <laughs> I mean, with that Yoda arc. And then this order 66 stuff, because the descriptions on that from this trailer seem really cool too. I mean, the one that stood out to me was that, there's a scene where Darth Sidious is actually contacting Lama Su on Kamino. He just says the truth of Order 66 cannot come to light. I was like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason, the fact that Darth Sidious himself is in con- contact with the uh, Kaminoans and Lama Su, I mean, that's a pretty big deal to me. It's not going through Dooku or anything when it's not. I'm sure it's going to tie into the Sifo Dyas thing because I still think the Sifo Dyas arc and the Order 66 one are both the same. So, but the fact that Sidious is involved himself just <laughs> just kind of took me by surprise that it's a pretty big deal. Order sixty six. I mean, it's what takes down a lot of the Jedi. So, of course, he'd be involved with that. So, and I just again can't wait to see these. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because at first I thought the I thought that the Order sixty or no, not the Order sixty six, but that the Sifo-Dyas arc and the Yoda arc would be the same one because I thought you know maybe Plo Koon finds. Sifo-Dyas's lightsaber, like we saw in that one clip, and then maybe Yoda decides, like, okay, you know what, I'm finally going to go out and find some answers. But, I, you know, what you're saying makes sense, too, that it could be connected to the Order 66 arc, that even if they're not part of the same arc, I'm sure, the, you know, then maybe there'd be some crossover between the two arcs. But if that's part of the Order 66 arc, then that totally fits, too, because, um, you know, then maybe we'll find out, like, why and how Sifo-Dyas ordered the clone army and how much people knew about Palpatine being involved in it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, yeah, that, that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. It also mentions too, that some, I wasn't expecting in these episodes that there's a sequence of mother towels in here where that describes her fighting, like using her, uh, green mystical energy against some blue lightsabers. So I wonder if that's going to be an arc we have no idea about, or that's connected to, Maybe the Yoda arc in some way too. Maybe she's on Korriban or something. <laughs> Maybe that's where she disappeared too. But yeah, they also mentioned too that I think the last thing was that there was a like a like a hologram showing a silhouette of somebody like with dark hair and a Jedi robe, and the person kind of thought this might be Sifo Dyas because it kind of resembled the way he looked in a certain comic story. So maybe we'll actually get to see Sifo Dyas in some way in that 
Park also. So <laughs> yeah, maybe he's still alive. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But um, a couple other things that you kind of skipped over, but they, they said uh, that Opal Rancisis is going to be on the, on the Jedi yeah. Council. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool for anyone who, like me who just likes to see those full Jedi Council scenes and see as many of those characters in there as possible. I would like um, to see him in a lightsaber battle. <laughs> see how I yeah, just see how he moves. I'm like, yeah. what is that guy? Like, what does he do? I know, he's like a snake pretty much with a face. Yeah. <laughs> and, beard. and then they had, uh, they also said that there was a, a scene with Dooku fighting two, I think they're, they're, there were kind of some translation issues in here, but I think what they meant to say is Dooku fighting with two people with blue lightsabers and that they were probably Anakin and Obi-Wan. And I'm kind of hoping that they're not just because... Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, Anakin has fought Dooku a lot in this series. And in episode three, you have the line where he says, you know, my powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. And it's like, yeah, that kind of seems a little bit sort of boastful. But at the same time, we know Anakin's the chosen one. We know he's a really powerful Jedi and... He's been fighting in this long war. And, you know, when you originally see episode three and you haven't seen any of the Clone Wars yet, like you obviously assume he's just talking about since the last time they met in episode two. And I'm like, I can totally buy that, that, you know, maybe his powers haven't actually doubled. Like if there's any way of, you know, numerically measuring someone's force potential, but I'm sure Anakin has gotten a lot more powerful over the course of the Clone Wars, but then every time they meet up during the Clone Wars and fight, it's like you shorten that time span. Time span. It's like in Episode 3, if you're just looking at Episode 2, then they haven't fought each other in like three and a half years, whereas, you know, you keep adding more and more fights between them, and it's like, my powers have doubled since the last time we met six months ago, you know? And <laughs> um, Although, you know, they didn't fight for, like, all of Season 5, and so I was like, okay, you know, this isn't, like, quite bugging me as much, but in some of the very last episodes of The Clone Wars, um, if we see Anakin and Dooku fighting again, then that's going to completely kill that line for me. Not that it's, like, a super important line or anything like that, but it does kind of, I, I guess for me it's, does reveal a little bit about Anakin's character, whether he's, you know, sort of being more threatening, I guess, and warning Dooku, like, you're not going to get away this time because I have gotten a lot more powerful since the last time we fought. If we've seen them fight, like, you know, just a short while before, then it just becomes empty boasting. Like, oh, I'm going to kill you, Dooku. My powers have doubled since the last time we met. It's like, really? I don't think you've gotten that much more powerful in just a short time span. See, I was actually thinking of the other line before they fought where Obi-Wan says, this time we'll take it together. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they really fought Dooku together like they did in episode two. The only thing that's coming to mind was at the end of the Reiko Hardeen arc where Obi-Wan shows up kind of at the very end of that fight. I mean, it's not very long where they're both together fighting him. So that's the line I thought you were talking of where if they are fighting him, together and this new whatever this arc is going to be whether Dooku's fighting these two Jedi with blue lightsabers I mean we'll find out if it's Obi-Wan and Anakin but that would be the one for me that would seem a little off in Revenge of the Sith where he says this time we'll take it together right unless right. Anakin if we do does something them, stupid again yeah <laughs> yeah if we do see them fight and fight them together in the uh in the Clone Wars although it could be you know what huh I wonder if that could actually be in the Clovis arc because in the season five trailer, we saw shots of Dooku, um, and it looked like he was probably commanding separatist forces or something heading to like whatever that ice planet was that some of those episodes take place on. We never actually saw anything in the trailer with them fighting Dooku, but it could happen. 
Um, but the, whoever wrote this um, sort of summary of the trailer just said he's fighting two people with blue lightsabers and that it's probably Anakin and Obi-Wan. So, um, you know, maybe it didn't actually show their faces or anything. Yeah. I mean, you never know. It could be Plo Koon or Kiari Mundi or someone else. Yeah, yeah. Or Ayla Sakura or, well, I guess Barris off. He's out of the question at this point. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's one of the things I still want to know. People keep talking about like, oh, what happened to Ahsoka and... You know, I'm I'm like satisfied with the conclusion of her storyline at the end of season five, and I know some people still want to know more. And like, what? That's it? She just walks away from the Jedi Order? Like, what happens to her next? For me, the big question is what happens to Barris? Because we know like Tarkin was trying to get the death penalty for Ahsoka, yeah. and there wasn't even like really conclusive evidence that she was guilty. And then Anakin brings in Barris and forces her to confess. I'm like, did she just get executed? Because if so, they didn't really make a big deal out of that. Yeah, that's it's either to me that where she got executed, or if that happens not too long before the events of Revenge of the Sith, and they didn't get around to it, <laughs> and maybe she somehow escaped or got released, or I don't know what happened. But yeah, I'm kind of leaning more towards the execution uh, line from the story to go because, like you said, Tarkin was really pushing for that for Ahsoka, and even in the some of the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, he even mentions that to the Jedi Council, where like. We're pushing for the death penalty, or that's like what she's done is like it needs the penalty of death, or something to that effect. So, yeah, kind of until they actually tell us in the back of my mind, that's what I think her fate was was that Tarkin had her executed. Yeah, that's that's just kind of what I was thinking too. But then I'm like, with as much as we've seen of her character, I mean, she kind of seems like you know, she's she's not a hugely important character or anything, but she seems just a little bit too important to for me to be satisfied with just an off-screen death with no explanation. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess that's the best we have to go on for now. And, but, again, who uh, knows if, we, if we're going to get a storyline with her again down the line, like with season seven or eight or something like that, but we'll never know now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I probably doubt it unless, you know, maybe in an upcoming episode they might have made a passing reference to what happened to her or something. Yeah, but, I don't know if you follow Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter. But um, he actually sent a tweet out that was pretty interesting because uh, I think someone's sent out a tweet kind of about this bonus content episodes and if it'll like bring closure to the series or tie into episode three. Then Pablo said that uh, there were some story threads that we never really intended to wrap up, even if we were going to do like more seasons than what we got. But then he mentioned that because I heard Dave Filoni said, oh, we had a story planned out that would directly tied the end of the Clone Wars into episode three, but Lucas kind of rejected it. But now Pablo, uh, I can't even say his name now, <laughs> Pablo Hidalgo revealed that what that storyline was going to be was that Padme actually uh, takes the initiative with the Separatists and actually kind of, they come to an agreement to end the war in a, on peaceful terms, but that doesn't sit well with Grievous and he kind of goes against their treaty or whatever that they work out and this goes into Coruscant and kidnaps Chancellor Palpatine anyway and that's kind of what leads into episode three but huh. Lucas apparently didn't like that idea <laughs> and so that one never got I guess past the uh, story production phase or the where they have their writers room meetings and all that and conferences so I thought that was pretty interesting that we actually found out what that was because I was thinking, oh, we're never going to know what that storyline was. But now that Pablo Hidalgo said it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how yeah. it actually would have played out because I'm sure there was more details than that. We just said that Padme was the one who kind of got the war to end, but Grievous wouldn't have it. <laughs> yeah, that does sound pretty interesting. I, I guess I can maybe see if George had a problem with it that it might have been 
because a that sounds pretty similar to heroes on both sides where you know the padme goes to negotiate peace with the separatists and they're sort of on the verge of reaching a peace agreement in the senate when you know grievous who's like no this can't happen the war needs to continue he like sabotages the power and everything on coruscant right when they're in the senate trying to vote on this um and also it's like well if they did agree to peace and the only thing keeping them from it was grievous um you know kidnapping the chancellor it's like well the war still kind of went on for a while after that um you know because then in the rest of episode three of course you got the battle on Kashyyyk and everything so um although i guess maybe you know it could have just kept going until they destroyed grievous but I don't know. It seems it seems like that might be just a little shaky. But again, then like you said, we don't know all the details of it either. That's kind of kind of just like a brief summary. But yeah, it definitely would have been interesting to see how that played out. Yeah, that's one of the things about the Clone Wars ending that I'm not really that disappointed with was that we didn't get a direct tie into Episode Three because for me, I already had that with the Gendi series and their second season because I love how that one directly tied into it and that had the whole siege on Coruscant and the kidnapping of Chancellor Palpatine by Grievous. So I loved all that. So. Until we actually get an official account on the Clone Wars, which we know we're not now, <laughs> that's going to be my canon version of how Palpatine got kidnapped and Coruscant got attacked. So I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. See, the other thing for me is I would have liked to see the Clone Wars wrap up and see it tie into Episode 3. And I also would have liked to, at some point, have them go back and do a prequel episode or story arc where we see Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, at the very beginning of the war when Anakin is still a Padawan and see Anakin get promoted to Jedi Knight and maybe do an adaptation of, like, the Battle of Jabim or some other sort of uh, comic story where... You know, that takes place, like, pretty early on in the war. Um, and I think that would have been pretty cool to see. But so since we're probably never going to get either of those at this point, sort of my – the way I sort of work out the continuity in my head is basically you've got season one of the Gendi series – and then you've got the beginning of season two up until Anakin gets promoted to Jedi Knight. And then you've got that little – they do like a little montage in there right after Anakin gets promoted where you see him – you know, just sort of going all over the galaxy and doing hero stuff. And he's, like, shooting down droid starfighters in his spaceship. And he's, you know, fighting in battles and just sort of being a hero and, like, saving all these other Jedi and stuff. And for me, sort of the whole Clone Wars, you know, the whole new Clone Wars series kind of fits right within that space. Um, And then you go to the stuff towards the end of Season 2 of the micro series where, like you said, it's got the siege on Coruscant and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think, like to throw in a lot of those Dark Horse comic stories, like you mentioned, the Battle of Jabim, and man, it's a lot of cool storylines. I, I, one regret I have, but I know they didn't do a lot of adaptions. I mean, the only one they did was that uh, the Slaver arc, which was based off a comic, based off the Clone Wars series. So, But I would have loved to see some adaptions for some of those Dark Horse Clone Wars comic series, because there's some really cool stories in there. Yeah, like I know they weren't going to do too many adaptations, because... Obviously, they're trying to do new stuff and tell new stories and create new characters and all that. But, yeah, I think the Battle of Jabim for me is, like, probably my favorite Star Wars comic, like, ever. That one was really good. So that would have made a really cool uh, Clone Wars story. The one I really liked was that Obi-Wan goes to this, uh, I forget the name of this planet, where he has to find, like, like an antidote for a virus that's been going on. But I think it's tied into Jabim. Or that should be not Jabim or Jabim. I don't know. I have no idea. I've always called it Jabim, yeah. but I I haven't heard like any sort of official pronunciation of it. So that was just kind of how I thought it was said. 
Yeah, but he meets up with these like four other Jedi who are like some of the best of the best. They're not on the council, but they're kind of ones who are kind of spread out throughout the galaxy, and they have to go against uh, Ventress and Dirge, and they pretty much get wiped out, sacrificing themselves to help Obi Wan get this virus or the Santas of back to Coruscant to stop this virus that's been going on. It was just a cool story seeing Obi Wan interact with these like legends that Jedi's who are legends amongst the council and just the Jedi order. It was just, I don't know if you read that one, but it was, it was like a one shot story. It didn't continue on very long, but I just love the interaction Obi-Wan had with them kind of feeling he's not meant to be with these great Jedi, but yet he proves like that he can go stand toe to toe with them and this mission that he has and the self-sacrifice and that these other Jedi have to make sure that he gets back home with that antidote. Just a really cool Obi-Wan centric story that if there was anyone that I wanted to see besides the comic Purge, which is awesome, <laughs> that was one I was hoping, but never really kind of counted on I've ever seen an adaptation of it on Clone Wars. But now yeah. we know that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I might remember that one with Obi-Wan that you're talking about, but I'm not sure. But wait, was that the one with, um, was that the one where Sora Bulk sort of turns to the dark side or is it sort of revealed that he's working with Ventress and there's Mace Windu in that one? It might be in the same volume because I bought all the volumes of those uh, Dark Horse comics. So maybe it's in the same volume as that. Is is it in one of the earlier ones? Yeah, it's pretty early on. Okay, because I think I have volumes like one, two, three, five, and six or something like that. I don't have all of them, but I have a few of them. Yeah, those getting those comics or the volumes of those got me through the periods of 2003 to 2004, leading, <laughs> or, leading up to Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> well, see, I read a lot of the novels during that point. I read like Shatterpoint and uh, Jedi Trial and a lot of the other Clone Wars novels that were coming out at that point. So that's kind of what got me through it. And Labyrinth of Evil and all those. Those were good ones. Yeah, there's another cool one, too, where Obi-Wan and Alpha, who's pretty much the Captain Rex of that storyline, where they get captured by Ventress and they're held in, like, the Separatist facility as prisoners and they have to escape. That was a really cool story. It would, yeah. would have made an awesome episode if, like, Obi-Wan and Rex were held captive. Yeah, that was a really cool one because that was that actually was sort of like a, a follow-up to the Jabim one because Obi-Wan goes missing during that battle and then you find out he got captured by, by Ventress and... Then he gets out. And that's a really good story because that's when Ventress's whole backstory is revealed. Like yeah. this other war criminal that Ventress has been keeping captive, like tells Obi-Wan the whole story of her and her parents and her Jedi master, Kyneric and all that kind of stuff. And then Obi-Wan, you know, steals her lightsabers and leaves. And she's just like totally, you know, emotionally distraught about it. And um, I thought that was yeah, pretty interesting. That I mean, that was one of the reasons why I liked her character so much before even seeing her in the the new Clone Wars series. But um, yeah, look at us. We're going on a whole long comic tangent now. When yeah, we're talking <laughs> See, about we weren't done with our tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But um, we could probably yeah, do a whole other podcast on you know Clone Wars EU stories that we would have liked to see incorporated into the new series and you know ways that they could have adapted the story to include Ahsoka and Rex and all that kind of stuff definitely because like we said there's tons of great storylines I mean we didn't even talk about the whole Quillen Bot story arc he had to that whole storyline right <laughs> right yeah yeah the other thing that was mentioned in this report was that um they said that these uh episodes called the lost missions now they totaled in around 10 is what this report was saying and when i read that it was kind of like oh really that's it that's pretty much just two arcs and the clovis arc but then 
the same day, uh, someone asked that to Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter, and he's all, you know what, those descriptions that were mentioned in the trailer, they, those sound about right for what's coming, but the number 10 sounds a little too short. We shouldn't be expecting more than that. So, like, when I read that, I was like, yes. <laughs> so maybe this uh, translation of this article from Poland wasn't quite accurate with the number of episodes. So that kind of gave me some hope after a little bit of disappointment when I saw the number of just 10 episodes. So still yeah. wondering exactly how much, but... Or maybe they said around 10 and it's really going to be, like, 12 or 13 or something. Yeah. Um, but like you said, this this it sounds like these episodes are going to kind of hit all the, um, I don't know if you want to say all the sweet spots, but kind of hit all our cravings of like things that we like about the Clone Wars. I mean, we've got yeah. one episode or one story arc that deals with sort of Yoda and the Jedi and the Sith and the mysteries of the force. We've got one episode that we know is going to have some cool clone battles and stuff and deal with sort of the mystery surrounding order 66. And then we've got the Clovis arc, which for me, I'm really excited about because that looks at least from the trailer, like it's going to have some more good action, but also it's going to have some good character development for Anakin. Um, and I always like seeing Anakin and Padme together. I feel like that's, well, I won't say something we don't see enough of in the Clone Wars because obviously they want to focus more on sort of the action and adventure and stuff like that. But that was always uh, kind of an interesting relationship for me to see, you know, what their interactions are like when they get back together after being you know, separated by war for you know, months and months and sort of what does a marriage between a Jedi and a Senator look like, you know? And then, um, also we saw a preview clip for that episode at uh, celebration six back when that was like still scheduled to be a part of, um, season five. And there was a, a clip where Anakin and Obi-Wan are in the Jedi, ta in the Jedi temple in Anakin's sort of chambers, you know, his own little bedroom area, and just talking about um, sort of their sort of mentor and student relationship and Obi-Wan's kind of getting on his case about, oh, you know, you seem kind of attached to Senator Amidala. And they're, you know, of course, they're talking about the whole Jedi principles of attachment and Anakin's friendship with Padme and all that kind of stuff. And um, it just seemed like a really interesting scene. And I'm like, I really want to see that story arc for probably just the character relationships and the development more than anything. But then, of course, we've got... Um, some stuff with Embo and, you know, that whole sled chase. And then just judging from the trailers and the stuff that was in the season five trailer that didn't end up being seen in the season, you know, we can sort of, um, I guess, guess from that, that we've also got some clone action and some stuff with Dooku and the Separatists coming too. That looks pretty cool. So that's another arc that I'm really excited for. And then if we get more than 10 episodes and we can get this Boba Fett bounty hunter yes. arc that we've heard more about, like that'll be all I need. You know, I'll, I'll yep. be happy with that, except for, you know, we, it would also be nice to have some sort of final conclusion to the series, like a way that you could watch it and be like, oh, okay, this is how they intended for the show to end, whether it's just sort of a, a way to wrap it up or whether it's it tying into episode three or something. But I don't think we're going to get that. But these three story arcs sound really good. And then if we can get that Boba Fett arc some way, somehow, I'm like, oh, please. I know you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Like if we did get that Boba Fett arc included, that's what, all I would need. Also, I mean, I would be happy with that. The Yoda arc, the clone arc, and then the Clovis stuff. So, I mean, until we hear some other storyline they had planned, that sounds incredibly awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but this makes us wish we get to see it. But 
Well, I mean, we already know they were planning a story arc on Kashyyyk, and I'm, like, sad that we're not going to see that. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's funny because I've been watching some of season five on the uh, complete, uh, you know, the Clone Wars Complete Series Blu-ray box set that I've got. I've been watching some season five episodes, and I was re-watching the Youngling arc where at the end they're with Hondo on Florum, and he pulls out the Slave One in that final battle with Grievous, and I was like holy crap, I forgot how awesome it was to see that ship again. And now I really want to see Boba get it. I got to see it again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, not even just seeing the ship again, but I want to see Boba, like, even though he's only 13 or something, see him get the ship and hopefully, like, that Mandalorian helmet. And I'll be like, all right, we're on our way to the original trilogy and the Boba that we all know and love. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then, of course, hopefully get some expansion on that character some more, whether it be in Star Wars Rebels or in, uh, you know, some sort of video game or something like that. I know, man. <laughs> like, that'd be the perfect conclusion of Boba Fett's arc from episode two leading up to, well, I was going to say up to episode four, but now I'm thinking, oh, it could have been the perfect lead up to 1313. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until we find out if Boba Fett gets a standalone movie... Until then, we'll just say lead up to episode four. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping sure, all those are in there. I'm sure we'll see him in Rebels, though. That too. Yeah. Like, like, how could they not include Boba Fett in a series that takes place in between episodes three and four that deals a lot with the Empire? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that that would be really cool to see. But then, um, yeah, the other thing in this article, they they said that it'll be airing early next year on Disney XD as you know, Clone Wars: The Lost Missions or something like that, and. I was excited to hear that. I'm like, I'm hoping that's true because we've heard all kinds of different details or, you know, all kinds of different rumors about them still trying to work out the details for distributing these episodes, but that it might be exclusive to like Apple TV or Xbox one, or it might be online or something. And I'm like, it it would be, you know, the most simple and I think effective way if we could just watch it on TV, like we always have, even if it's on a different channel, but you know, we've said this before, like if I had to buy an Apple TV to watch all these Clone Wars bonus episodes, I probably would, but I'd rather just be able to watch them on a regular TV channel. Yeah, when I read that, I was wondering, well, is that just going to be for Poland? Is that they're going to get it on their Disney XD channel and maybe we'll get it a different way? I mean, that's the thing that I'm kind of wondering. I really hope not. <laughs> but it seems weird, like, that something would air on Disney XD on all over the rest of the world except America. Yeah. And if I had to kind of put a negative spin on this whole report about this trailer and this event, just in the back of my mind, which makes me think, uh, why would Lucasfilm choose this small event to be the place to premiere this new trailer? That just kind of makes me wonder why why this and not like a big announcement on StarWars.com or somewhere else. It just seems a little odd to me that they would premiere this at an event in Poland and not, like I said, some more mainstream. It just got me thinking, that's why none of this has been confirmed yet. I mean, Pablo Hidalgo sent out some tweets that pretty much confirms a lot of the stuff we're seeing, but just in the back of my head again, just, (laughs) I guess, kind of to be realistic or whatnot, was that this trailer, if it really is, did it did premiere or not? Because it just seems strange to me that this would be the place to show it for the first time. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought that, you know, why here and not somewhere else? But I guess if this was some sort of fan event or something, like maybe this just happened to be the first one to come up after they had, you know, put this trailer together or finalized the details of the bonus content or whatever, because I don't think 
Um, you know, this wasn't ready back at like Celebration Europe or Comic-Con or anything like that. So maybe it was just sort of convenient that this happened to be their first opportunity to show it. Um, and if it does turn out to be true, then I'm sure we'll hear all this on StarWars.com sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, especially if this is all going to be airing early 2014, like Dave Filoni said. Um, heck, we might even get an announcement by the end of the year as to you know when we can expect it or maybe a trailer or something. Yeah, and plus, too, StarWars.com is usually good about posting the trailers online whenever they premiere somewhere. And it's been a week since we got the story, and nothing's happened on the StarWars.com front. So those things just keep running through my head, like how valid is this report? But at the same time, too, there hasn't been anything else that's come out saying, oh, this never happened or no, this there was no event or this trailer wasn't shown. You haven't heard that from anyone. But yeah, like, and especially like what you're saying that Pablo Hidalgo has sort yeah. of unofficially confirmed some of it or at least, you know, said that it sounds legit. I'm like, you know, this doesn't say and, – and even, you know, with as detailed as some of the stuff is in the report and it all sounds – legit like stuff that could be in a clone wars episode you know it's not like we've seen it already we can go oh yeah they said this was in there and that's true because we've seen this that or the other thing but it all sounds like stuff that could be in there you know there's nothing like somebody saying oh you told me not to fight in the star wars you know there's nothing that jumps out and makes me go wait a second they wouldn't do that yeah it's all stuff we were expecting too like the yoda arc and the order 66 arc right right exactly that jumped out to me was the mother talzin thing so we'll see how she plays into all that. So, yeah. But yeah, everything else was stuff we're expecting to see. We just got more details of what we're going to see in those episodes. Yeah, but I think I'd even heard, um, I think I, you know, in an interview with Dave Filoni or somebody a while back, um, after Mother Talzin kind of disappeared at the end of season four, after the whole Darth Maul stuff going on, he was like, yeah, she's still out there and we'll probably get back to her at some point and find out sort of what her motivation behind all this is. And so, um you know, I kind of was surprised that of all the sort of remaining story threads to tie up that Mother Talzin was high enough on the list to get included. But at the same yeah. time, I wasn't like, oh, she's dead or she's not important or why are they bringing her back? I was like, oh, OK, that'll be interesting to see. I was always kind of hoping, too, that Palpatine or Darth Sidious would be the one to take care of her, too. Like he got rid of Darth Maul and he knew that uh, he came back because of her and he'd go to take her out, too. But if she if somehow ties into the Yoda arc. I wouldn't mind seeing Yoda uh, take her on to <laughs> yeah, that, cool would, sequence. that would definitely be an interesting fight. Yeah. So but, yeah, just come on, just give us a release date <laughs> so we can see these. Yeah. Awesome yeah. A release date, a trailer that's not in Polish. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're like running close to almost two hours now and, you know, gone on a whole <laughs> bunch of tangents about Dr. Who and other Clone Wars stuff we would have liked to see. And, all that kind of good stuff. But uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it and haven't like tuned out by now because we've certainly enjoyed talking about all this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just, like I said, just makes us more excited to see these episodes because just talking about them with you is just getting me more excited and just even want to go back to see past Clone Wars episodes that maybe might tie into these ones with the Yoda and Clone Troopers and all that. And just it's going to be awesome to actually see them. We just need to know how and when. Yep. So we go back to playing the waiting game yep, as we're favorite. doing with, you know, episode seven casting announcements and all that other kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, that's just about going to wrap it up for this week. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, like I said, hope you've enjoyed hearing us go on and on for all this time about all this stuff. Cause uh, it's sort of piled up over the past few weeks and um, we're finally getting back together after a while to talk about all of it. And it's just sort of a whole bunch of, 
Star Wars fan energy overflowing. And, uh, you know, we just always enjoy talking about this stuff. So thank you for joining us and tuning in. And we hope you will continue to do so. And check us out on Facebook at uh, Star Wars The Saga Continues. Follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. And that's where you'll find most of our updates when we hear news stories or rumors or casting announcements or anything like that. We always, um, you know, pretty much just shoot them straight out on Twitter to... Uh, relay them out to you guys and uh you know it's kind of nice because we pretty much just use our our own twitter feed as our outline for these episodes we just go back over the past couple weeks and be like okay we're going to talk about that 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 and that um and uh yeah so you can also send us email at kyle at clonewarspodcast.com or tim at clonewarspodcast.com um you know send us questions comments thoughts about the show anything like that we love hearing feedback from you guys uh, you can also go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes if you listen to us on there. Um, like I said, we definitely appreciate the feedback. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will be back when we've got another episode and some more good stuff to talk about. Uh, have a happy holidays if we don't get to uh, do another episode you know, before Christmas and New Year's and all that kind of stuff. But um, hopefully we'll have at least something to talk about before then and maybe do another episode or two before the end of the new or before the end of this year, before the new year comes. But uh, until then, we will see you guys later, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.